what's really interesting about privatization is that in the past decade, under a combination, obviously, of the, the Liberal federal government and state Liberal governments, it's really taken off a kind of exponential growth. The problem is with this uh, new wave of privatization is that you're dealing with public services that don't really lend themselves to marketization. So what you end up with are these kind of public services that don't have any uh, any ability to compete in the market. Privatisation has been rampant under the Liberals and Nationals at a state level over the past decade. At the 2022 PSA conference, Masters student Peter Harris gave a presentation on the dangers of government over-reliance on privatisation for quick liquidity windfalls. The Land Titles Office, right? This, this one, this one was fun. On this deal, they didn't even uh, factor in the fact that the new company would actually have to pay for the GST. So they ended up having to provide the company with about a $200 million discount. They promised at the time that there would be no increase in the fees that people had to pay. So what happened? They changed the rules on the fees so that instead of a price per 20 deeds, you had to play a price on every single one, effectively multiplying, <laughs> multiplying their fees by 20 times. And when you look at what the ACCC says about this, it is not the place for privatization because there is no possibility of having competition or a market in these places. And this is what's wrong with the nature of modern privatization. Immediately following the presentation, Peter discussed with us on the podcast the nuance behind a lot of the decisions that go into privatization of government assets and what can be done to counter the process in the future. So, Peter, you've just finished your presentation at the PSA conference. It was an excellent presentation. What is the need for state governments to chase surpluses, particularly state governments? We had some speakers yesterday who said, you look, it's really more of a federal, you know, endeavour to, to, to chase the, the elusive surplus. Why does the state government need to have their coffers in the surplus? Shouldn't their function just to be to spread the money that comes through their, their accounts? Yeah, look, um, I, I tend to absolutely agree with you there. And I think... Um, Unfortunately, there's a little bit of kind of an addictive quality to what's happened with privatization. So the 15% additional money that they get for a process called asset recycling just gives them this incentive where they're looking, 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 looking for something else to privatize. Um, unfortunately as well, it's not even just a matter of surplus. So we hear that economic argument again and again about, hey, by privatizing these uh, these services or selling these assets, it'll actually be uh, more economically um, marketized. So it'll be more efficient, right? right? But at the end, we don't actually see that. So a lot of it actually comes down to ideological belief. People in government who do not believe in a really strong public service and certainly don't believe in strong union movements. And if you can break them up, well, this is actually an advantage to you. And we've seen that, you know, so many of our members work under the Federal uh, Industrial Relations Commission, specifically because of the privatization that's occurred. So it has kind of uh, knock-on benefits if you actually don't want a strong public service. How confident are you that the damage can be undone? Mm. Um, that's going to be extremely dependent on what is tried to fix it. So 
We can do little things, right? Um, we can stop the bleeding for certain, right? But a lot of a lot of the nature of privatization has gone into very long-term contracts. Um, now, I'm not saying that you can't break them, but if you break them, I'm sure that they have some kind of penalties in them. And, you know, each one's going to be different. Is it a port that's leased for 30 years? Is it a toll road that's leased for 99? Who owns it? What does the contract say is going to be done with it after the end of that period? Um, now, it might be that some of these contracts, these private companies are happy to sell back. But, I mean, as you said, this chasing of surplus means that is going to be some red on the books. Mm. Um, and if we don't actually have the, the commitment of government to make that decision and say, hey, look, we 100% we believe this is not something that should be in private hands, mm. okay, well, then you justify the price, right? But if you don't have someone actually making that dedicated decision, it's going to be quite hard to kind of, by, by bits and bobs, try and undo a lot of the damage that's already been done. Um, maybe, maybe with a similar corruption investigation into prisons, you could be looking at having everything taken back rather wholesale. I think that would be a pretty good way of doing it, but that's only going to affect one aspect of privatisation. It's not going to touch bridges, roads, ports, you know, mm. offices and, and bits, of, bits of our public service. Because, you know, we've also had individual sectors which have been kind of split apart by privatisation, mm. right? So we're privatising the accounts section or we're privatising the, you know, when you think of, say... Um, Land titles and that sort or, of stuff. Or, or, or the Centrelink offices uh -huh. are a good one, right? Mm. So that, that was a job that used to be done by public services. Now, I know it's not a state thing, but it used to be done by public services, right? But now Services Australia still exists. Those are still public service but employees. The mm. But the functioning of it, the moment mm. someone's approved and the job finding and everything that goes along like that... Yeah. Is just handed off to your local, you know, yeah. recruitment Who shop. Knows? Who knows, right? You know, and, and the, pro the problem is as well, you have a lot of kind of um, shonky operators that open up, mm. right? So the privatization of TAFE saw that. You know, when you allowed private companies to get that TAFE funding, what ended up happening was kind of privatization by stealth. Mm. So these small shonky operators would come in, they'd find the the cheapest to operate, maybe a, a dip in fitness or something. Um, they'd give them very little education. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same quality of education, which means it doesn't have the same quality of outcome for people. But they got the same money from the government as they would for, you know, a much more expensive course. Exactly. Um, and, they, and they make their money there. So, mm. you know, there's a lot to unpick if you're actually going to talk about dealing with some of the really complex... Um, bits and bobs that have happened in privatisation. And just finally, if for people listening who might not understand um, you know, the contract process, why is it so hard for governments to just simply buy things back? I mean, is there, what's, what's, the, what's the element, the privilege elements, I guess I'm going? Yeah, um, well, look, when, uh, when the government signs these contracts, it's the same as anyone else signing these contracts, right? They are holding themselves to agree to a certain length of time or a certain amount of money or a guarantee in whatever way, shape or form. Um, and undoing those contracts is the same as trying to undo a contract that you've made 
with someone else. Um, if it's if it's written in the contract and you've signed it, you're accountable to it. And the only way that you can change that is to get both parties to agree to change it. Um, so it's it's in a lot of ways, government have a lot of power to say, "Hey, okay, we're making a law. We're not having." private prisons say right further, further, and that would be yeah. and that would be that would be quite fundamental and then it would be pretty simple to take them back but if you're dealing with something you know say retrospectively right you know you talk about you talk about one of the first privatizations of Telstra mm. right imagine trying to take Telstra back into national hands now mm. right not only would it be first of all billions of dollars the company isn't going to want to. I mean, well, <laughs> who knows? But but it would seem unlikely, right? Mm. So it's not. There's, the problem is because it's such a kind of amorphous problem, and each each contract's different, each sector's different. How the privatization happened is different. There's unfortunately no silver bullet, right? So in each area that we have a problem or we see a we see a better way of doing things, you kind of have to address it on a case by case basis. So there's a lot of work to be done in that. It's also not just our problem. There have been worldwide efforts to take back control, right? So they're called remunicipalizations re or renationalizations, and there are hundreds of them going on throughout the world. Now, a lot of them have happened because these companies went bankrupt or they just weren't able to fill the service, like in British Rail. But a lot of them as well were social movements about things that really cared about, that people really cared about. Basically, the campaign that we need to be running is, is to, to take back control, you know, to re-own our own public services. Protect yourself at work. Call the PSA today on 1300 772 679 or head to psa.asn.au.